0: Afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Going to get to the outside. He has blockers in Brady Quinn looking, pump fakes, he rolls to the near side, throws it, it's caught by Samaja.
1: inside the 20, inside the 10, he's going in, Notre Dame and scores! Jones is the back, he's got it again, and Jones, a letter rule, Tony Jones makes a cut, gets a block, and scores! Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? Welcome to another edition of Sons of Saturday Irish. I'm Tyler Rojack, joined alongside Luke Smith. And today, we're here to get you ready for Notre Dame's matchup against the 16th-ranked Syracuse Orange on Saturday. Kickoff is set for noon Eastern on ABC. Joe Tessitore and Greg McElroy will be on the call, which means this game is probably going to come down to the wire, because that always seems to be the case when Tess calls a Notre Dame game. Uh, We're recording this on Wednesday night, and as of now... The Irish are two and a half point underdogs with the over/under set at 48. Luke, before we dive in here, you still feeling good about this matchup? Very good. All right, let's get it here. I like the optimism. We haven't we we haven't had a ton of that on the show lately, so I appreciate it. <laughs> um, by the way, please like this video below and subscribe to our YouTube channel if that's how you're watching, or if you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe there as well. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break for a word from our sponsors here before we dive into the matchup between the Irish and the Orange. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, so tip off the season with DraftKings
0: Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Speaking of which,
1: how are uh, how are you feeling about that Cavs prediction a, a few games into the season? So far, so good. Cavs 2-1. Darius Garland got hurt in the season opener, and I thought, oh boy, this season might be over. Uh, but he's good. He's going to be back in a few games, and Donovan Mitchell is as advertised. How are you feeling about the Bulls?
0: Well, uh, they announced about... Two days before, or maybe it was the day before the opener, that Zach Levine would be on a load management schedule, and that resulted in him not playing in the opener or the second game of the year. He's not playing back to backs. Not really sure how that happens at the start of the year after you just super maxed him, but um, whatever. <laughs> um,
1: it's going to be an interesting year. <laughs> All right. Well, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code SOS. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code SOS. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This episode is sponsored by Haas Company, a lifestyle brand that's about being the best version of yourself. Be the Hoss. The Hoss lives life without reservations, without doubt, and ready to answer the call each and every day. Check out their website at bethehoss.com and use promo code SUNS for 15% off on your next order. Check them out. This
0: episode is also supported by Roback. Shop game-changing activewear with Roback for those who crave activity. Use the promo code N D, that's S-O-N-S-N-D, to get 20% off your next order in the entire store at Roback.com. But we encourage all of our listeners to check out the Shamrock Polo, which would look great on Irish fans everywhere. That's promo code SUNSND at dot com.
1: Okay, Luke, uh, Notre Dame and Syracuse haven't played a ton, but I feel like there's an interesting history between these two programs. So when you think of Syracuse football, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Probably,
0: probably the 2008 game. Unfortunately, um, where Notre Dame lost to a two and seven Syracuse team on Senior Day in the snow. Uh, students were throwing snowballs at the team. <coughs> Teo was there and decided to still come to South Bend for whatever reason. I'm also pretty sure, if I remember correctly, that the Syracuse quarterback that day. I think he was like Adrian Dantley's grandson or something like that. He was some Notre Dame legend's grandson. Um, So that was just like kind of a classic Notre Dame loss that they blew a huge lead in. Um, On a more positive note, when we smoked him a couple years ago in the Shamrock Series game when it was a top 15 matchup, that was pretty fun. Uh, It was like planes, trains, and automobiles to get there uh, because it was just disastrous weather all across the country. But once we got there... That was a good time, um, despite, as I saw some people talking about this on Twitter, Syracuse kicking a field goal for no reason at the end of the game so they wouldn't get shut out.
1: <laughs> How could we forget that? And I just looked it up. You're right. Syracuse quarterback in 2008 was Cameron Dantley. Mm. They had two wins going into that game. God, that was just an awful time in Notre Dame history. I feel I'm like pretty sure
0: that, uh, that the late— Who's the coach? Was it Robinson? Was the coach of that team? Greg Robinson, right? Greg
1: Robinson, yeah, that's right, that's right.
0: I think he may have been fired after that year. Still,
1: after beating <laughs> Notre Dame, <laughs> Notre Dame was leading twenty-three to ten at the start of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. The yes, League. yes, yes, yes. I have so many questions about that game. I mean, one, Manti Te'o is visiting. Why would you have the guy from Hawaii visit for a game in late November? That seems like coaching malpractice. For whatever reason, he decided to go to Notre Dame, like you mentioned. That is truly a miracle. And watching that Teo documentary, it seemed like everything... He was definitely going to USC, and then his uncle talked him into going to Notre Dame. If I were him, I would have just been like, are you kidding me? That team just lost to Syracuse, and the students were forming a mutiny in the crowd. I had a but lot of yeah. fun at that 2018 game, though.
0: It was great. Um, I, I mean, I've still never seen a baseball game at Yankee Stadium, but that was that was a fun time. But really, like even now that I think about it, some of the other more recent ones, 2020 was just whatever. I do remember I was coming back from something. I was listening to the start of that game on the radio, and Ryan Harris was just eviscerating the Syracuse quarterback, like (laughs) literally calling him the worst quarterback he's ever seen. It's kind of a slow start for the Irish as they ended an undefeated season. 2016 was a bizarre game. I think there were like 30 points in the first five minutes with kick returns and stuff between two bad teams. In 2014, Golson set some record, might have been an FBS record for most consecutive completions and still managed to turn the ball over like three or four times. So there's never like really a game against Syracuse that makes a ton of sense. This is their first time there in what, almost 20 years? Um, And they lost that one. And it was a December game, which is bizarre. So I I, I don't really remember that. I was in like first grade, but I I do remember it being in December.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so these teams have only played 10 times. Notre Dame leads the all-time series 7-3. to um, But yeah, here we are again. Like I said at the top, Syracuse is favored. There was some confusion about the line earlier this week. I feel like based on what the two teams have shown us this year, two and a half probably seems right. But how are you feeling about this matchup now that we're a couple days away? I feel optimistic. I
0: don't really have a ton of rationale behind that, but I just have a good feeling about how this game is going to go for Notre Dame. I I think they're far more talented than the Orange, and I also think they have played considerably better when not playing in the confines of Notre Dame Stadium this year for whatever reason. Um, So that gives me some optimism going into this. Other than that, I can't really explain why I feel the way I do, but I do feel pretty good about it.
1: It should be a really good game, honestly. I can't believe that Syracuse... We're in a position right now where Syracuse is favored and they're ranked. And this is this is just where Notre Dame is at right now. But you're right. This year has been super strange for Notre Dame. I guess the one consistent thing is that they actually have shown up for games against, uh, I don't want to say superior competition because that wouldn't be true, but just the bigger games on the schedule they've shown up for. I mean, the Ohio State game still to this day makes no sense how Notre Dame was able to hang in there with Ohio State based on what they've shown this year. But they came to play. That was on the road. North Carolina and Notre Dame came to play and handled North Carolina for the better part of that game. I don't know what to or I don't know how to make sense of the Marshall loss and the UNLV lackluster performance, count, all that stuff. It's all happening against if you're a team. So I guess you would think in theory Notre Dame should come out and be ready to play in this one, right? You would
0: think um, <laughs> but logic has been defied many times this season. So th- that would be foolish to assume that, but you would think that.
1: Notre Dame is entering a a pretty tough stretch in their schedule. They've got Syracuse on the road this weekend. Then they have Clemson and then they have very winnable games against Navy and Boston college. I say that now, but who knows if those are truly that winnable. And then they close with USC at the end of the season. So that's three matchups in the next five games against ranked opponents, two of which I believe are in the top 10. So this is the first of five. We'll see how Notre Dame, if they're able to get back on track and salvage what's left of this season. But offensively, Last week, Syracuse came out of the gates hot. They had a big early lead on Clemson. Now, granted, part of that was because of a fumble recovery that was returned 90 yards for a touchdown. So it wasn't all the offense. But Syracuse does have a pretty promising offense this, this time of year. They do. And uh, that all starts with the offensive coordinator.
0: That's, that's Robert and I. And he's had one of the largest impacts in the Power Five, both at where he is now and where he left from. And I was O.C. at UVA last year and and was poached by Dino Babers after Bronco Mendenhall resigned. Brennan Armstrong was incredible last year, really flourished under his coaching. And and he's been downright awful this year since he left. I don't know if that's a Tony Elliott problem or whatever. But since and I came over to Syracuse, they've improved from 91st in yards per play versus FBS competition last season to 56. That's from Jamie Uliama of Irish Sports Daily. Um, and the orange have already surpassed their win total from last year. They were five and seven last year. They're six and one coming into this game. They have a really good running back. Sean Tucker's his name. I'm sure you've seen him on Twitter. It's pretty inexplicable, the stuff he tweets, where he just seems like he has the reading comprehension of a third grader. Um, yeah, I thought, sent- he was, ins- I thought
1: it was a joke, like an inside joke. I thought I it was a, a parody
0: account for about a year, and then it's actually him tweeting out his own stats, saying whether or not he's <laughs> pleased with his own performance and the team performance. But it's like a kindergartner learning how to write. Um, but anyways... He averages 130 yards from scrimmage per game, and he has 29 catches as well. So they got to be aware of him, both in the running and pass game. He kind of inexplicably only had two touches in the second half of the Clemson game last week, which I don't really get why that is, especially considering they had a 14 point lead. So um, something to, to just be aware of there. Otherwise, on offense, Garrett Schrader, the quarterback, he had a decent year um what really gives me pause is that he has been a threat in the running game he's huge he's 6'4 228 and we've seen Notre Dame struggle to contain quarterbacks who aren't even that mobile uh Plummer from Cal comes to mind the Marshall <laughs> kid comes to mind um so we'll Plummer see looked like uh, Michael Vick man yeah I I don't really get it I, um We'll see what what that goes for, and then in the passing game, you got to look out for Aronde in the second. Um, he's somebody Notre Dame is going to have to work to contain, and and those three guys that I just mentioned, they basically had triple the amount of touches in the Clemson game as the rest of the roster. So the offense really flows through those three
1: people. Okay, I have a couple follow ups to that. First one being, and I, in future Notre Dame quarterback Brennan Armstrong. <laughs> Do you think that Reese is going to ask him after the game about Armstrong? I mean, I don't don't know. (laughs) I'm kidding. The reason I'm bringing this up is because if you haven't been following, Brennan Armstrong has been a popular candidate for Notre Dame to pick up in the transfer portal next season. Um, I'm not really sure where that originated, but his name has been coming up a lot lately. And you're right. Last season, he was really good. He didn't play against Notre Dame this year. He's been awful. So I don't know why he's like the most popular candidate. But secondly, I I watched that Syracuse-Clemson game, and I think – The reason that Tucker didn't get as many carries is because Clemson was basically daring Schrader to keep the ball. Like they're running a lot of read option plays. And every time they were just like going after Tucker, letting Schrader run, but Sean Tucker running the ball, like he's going to get his, I think they're going to force it early. He's a really good runner. So um, I'm sure he'll, he'll get some yards, but as long as it prevents him from breaking off another, you know, 74 yard run or whatever they gave up against UNLV, hopefully they will be fine there. But it's kind of like, I look at it as a tune-up, basically, with Schrader before Notre Dame has to face D.J. Uyunglele, because you're right, Notre Dame's defense this year, they've sucked against quarterbacks who can move, and I really don't understand it.
0: Yeah, it's also weird, though, because um, so Schrader has 81 rushing attempts this year, and he's averaging almost six yards per carry, so like, he's no slouch there. But though they've let up some inexplicable long scrambles from quarterbacks this year, I think Drake May is probably the most Mobile quarterback Notre Dame seen so far this year, and they largely kept them in check on the ground. So I don't know if this is just a larger theme with the rest of the team just not playing up to competition or whatever, but that's just something to keep in mind. But it, it does give me pause, and and that's why it's going to be critical, um, both for what you just mentioned as well as the the potential of Sean Tucker on the ground. They got it for Syracuse in the third and longs, just limiting the potential of Tucker getting the ball on the ground and, and forcing Schrader to beat Notre Dame with his arm.
1: Yeah, I think. That's definitely going to be the game plan for Notre Dame. And we'll see how it goes because Notre Dame, like on third and long, I don't always understand what they're doing. I know our buddy Greg Flamung has been on this a lot, how Notre Dame basically has no one on the second level. So teams actually can run the ball in a third and long situation. And Notre Dame has certainly been susceptible to some backbreaking, inexplicable, just completely dumbfounding third and long conversions. The first one that comes to mind is that that one to BYU was, like, what, third and 18 or whatever? Yeah. yeah. They, they ran, like, a draw. They were basically... Wasn't like there, wasn't there a
0: Marshall one that was, like, third and 18?
1: Yeah. I don't know if it was third. Yeah, they ran, like, a screen and Ramon Henderson missed a tackle or something. That's another thing. This Notre Dame defense, we've been talking about this over and over, how we aren't really sure what to make... Like, how to make sense of them. Are they good? Are they bad? They have really struggled at tackling lately, and this is a team where you have to tackle well and wrap up to get Schrader and a guy like Tucker on the ground. Right,
0: and I think that that ties in well with something else I wanted to say. They need the linebackers to show up for once. They've been horrible this year, and I know that like that's an overplayed trout but it or trope, but it's true. They have not been good, especially Maris Leofau, especially J.D. Bertrand. Those guys have not been good, and, and they are supposed to be The seniors on this defense, they need to show up. Um, And I'm just kind of sick of just watching them just kind of float through the the motions out there.
1: This is a game where they got to show up. Yeah, without a doubt. And again, the conversation going into this season was that linebacker was going to be a strength of the team. I think Freeman said so in in the preseason, too. He's like, yeah, we're counting on the front seven. We all thought going into the season that Notre Dame's defensive line was going to be the best position group on the team, followed by the linebacking core. Granted, Bo Bauer gets hurt. That sucks. But you're right. Guys like Kaiser and Bertrand and Leofau, who we all counted on to be not just the leaders of the defense, really the leaders of the team in a way. They just haven't been. They have not lived up to expectations at all. So you mentioned third and long and forcing them into passing the ball. Is there anything else you'd like to see from the Notre Dame defense this Saturday that might not even have to do with Syracuse just trying to right their wrongs from the season? I guess this is a little bit of both because I will say the Syracuse offensive
0: line is gettable. Um, they let up six sacks to UVA. I actually watched that game, and that was about a month ago, maybe a little bit over. And I am shocked that they were undefeated through Clemson or up till Clemson having watched that game because that was a horrible, horrible football <laughs> game. Um, and they let up five sacks to Clemson as well. They have a really good left tackle um, who's projected to be an early-round draft pick, but Isaiah Foskey has to show up in a game that matters like this is where he earns his money he's going up against the guy that's mocked as an early round pick you got to burn him and get a couple sacks
1: yeah he had a big game last week hopefully that carries over uh because Notre is gonna need him they need to just make some plays because I think that's the biggest reason why they've struggled in the red zone they haven't been able to get any turnovers this year their star players haven't been making plays and it's one thing if we are to assume that Leo Fowle is gonna have a breakout year and he doesn't that's one thing but guys like who we've seen it like Foskey, who he had such an incredible year last year. How many forced fumbles did he have? Like five, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Some, something crazy. And then this year he hasn't had one, I don't think. Um, but he did have some black punts. So that's what we're seeing from Notre Dame on defense. Uh, as for Syracuse's defense, uh, a little bit of a different story, but they're they're good, man. It's it's the strength of their team this year. Tony White is their defensive coordinator. He likes to run a three three five. They. They don't really have any star players, truly. Like, I don't think anyone's going to be a first-round draft pick on this defense. That's not to say that they don't have NFL players, because because they do. And they're tied for sixth in the country in scoring defense. Now, granted, they haven't played a ton of super high high-scoring offenses, but still, it's it's really solid. They're giving up fifteen point fourteen points per game. They don't really give up big plays, and they're tied for fifteenth in red zone defense. So Notre Dame is just going to have to grind it out until the very end. Uh, and that's throughout the entire drive. I will say Syracuse is much better at stopping the pass than the run. They've got two really good corners and Garrett Williams. Williams is number eight and deuce chestnut. Who's number zero Garrett Williams is uh, one of their best players. And he actually missed the Clemson game because of a thigh bruise. So I'm expecting him to play uh, in this one on Saturday. They're also 19th in the country in defensive passing efficiency and in, in 22nd and opponent pass yards per game. Now, the, the one thing is their, their rush defense isn't nearly as good as their pass defense. I think they're 39th in rush defense. But then again, it hasn't been like Notre Dame's offense is uh, – they haven't been world beaters, to say the least. So what are your expectations for Notre Dame's offense going into this Saturday? They haven't been town beaters, if that's a word.
0: <laughs> they, like, they haven't been neighborhood beaters. They've just been – they've been beat. That's what yeah, they've exactly. been. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, they're going to have to run the ball, like you just mentioned. Um Rush defense isn't quite as good as the pass defense, and and I do think that that is something that Notre Dame has established over the last several weeks, and and should continue this week. I think that'll be there for them. Um, other than that, when the throws are there, Drew Pine has to make them, and the receivers have to catch them. Like as as simplistic as that <laughs> sounds, that's not something we've been able to really count on. So that's just kind of where I'm at.
1: I know I feel bad. I did. I came down kind of hard on Drew Pine. This week, Do you mm, think I was too harsh? <laughs> no, I, I mean I, I
0: didn't really say anything at just to not say anything, basically. But I don't know if you've
1: seen some of the other stuff that's out there. It's uh, it's not good. So And again, like we like Drew as a person. I I just said he was a terrible college quarterback. That might have been too mean. He's playing terribly. Is that better? Yeah. He's he's gonna mitigate a
0: ton of risk when once he starts <laughs> consulting next year. He's learning all about mitigating risk right now because he's not doing a very good job
1: of it. But anyways, um, (laughs) I think I mentioned this, uh, in the recap, like one day scholars will look back on that BYU performance and even North Carolina really as a true out of body experience by a human and what he did in those games, because it is literally night and day compared to what we saw then. I don't know if it's his mental state or what we, we know he fixates on Michael Mayer, especially in the last game. And Syracuse is too good no one's able to truly stop Michael Mayer he's the best tight end in college Mm -hmm. football but hell Stanford was able to contain him late in the game and if Stanford can do it this Syracuse team can do it too and I think they're going to try to eliminate him especially on third down so I think for me I'm not going to ask too much of Pine but kind of like what you were mentioning earlier about the receivers just make the plays when you can I I feel so bad for Lindsay. I hope so bad that Pine finally connects with him on one of these deep balls because he's due for one. He's had so many opportunities, all of them missed. Um, so that's really what I, I want to see more than anything. Uh, I think Notre Dame will be able to run the ball. But on the outside, someone is going to have to step up. Against BYU, it was Jaden Thomas. I don't know if it's going to be Jaden Thomas in this one. But in order for Notre Dame to win this game, someone on the outside is going to have to make a play. It's as simple as that. It is. Um,
0: I'm afraid I am kind of starting to realize something as we talk about this. That um, oh boy, that North Carolina's defense was horrible, uh, and BYU has looked horrible since we beat them. So maybe that's the common theme there. Um, and I guess we just haven't really looked competent against. Semi-competent defense. It's not going to change anything how I feel about this game, but
1: it is a realization I'm having as we talk this through <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not the purpose of this exercise, Luke. We're supposed to come through this like, all right, here's what Notre Dame can do to win. Here's how it's going to happen. Uh, because I am going to pick Notre Dame to win this one, but this season has been so up and down. Has anyone been right about any game? Like Has, has one person yeah. made a prediction for a game, and you're like, oh, they nailed that one. I think I was pretty right about North
0: Carolina. I think I, oh, I think fair. I actually did say that that was not going to be a very close game. But no, other than that, no. This is going to be. Are you going to be on the West Coast? It's going to be early for you too.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm not used to watching Notre Dame at 9 a.m. That's probably not going to be super healthy for me. No, but that's just kind of the way it is when <laughs> Notre Dame is not playing. You know, up to their standard, you get the noon kickoff, which sucks. Mm. Yeah, we'll we'll see how I do with a 9 a.m. kick because it's that's a early. lot more fun when it's other teams and I could of sort of, like, ease my way into the day. Uh, yeah. That's not that's not going to happen on this Saturday. Uh, what else we got? I would like to see Audrey Estime hold on to the damn ball. If he gets the ball. <laughs> he has to because the thing is he is – Is this kind of like a last thing, though? Like, if you lose another one, you got to be done. yeah. I mean, even Notre Dame's running backs are saying, dude, you got to yeah. hold on to the ball. Logan Diggs said in the post game that he was there to sort of like get Estime back on track after he had a crucial potentially game-changing... No, it wasn't potentially game-changing. It was game-changing. Notre Dame probably wins that game if he doesn't fumble that. Logan Diggs was there to have his back. And then in the last game, what did he say? Like, hey, man, if you want to play, you got to hold on to the damn ball. Yeah, exactly. He's so big that... It just doesn't make any sense. The North Carolina fumble, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he was reaching, and it looked like just kind of bad luck there. But against Stanford and against UNLV, both fumbles were basically identical. He's running, and he's sort of leaning forward, and he's leaving the ball exposed. He gets hit in the arm, and he fumbles it. He's way too big and way too strong to fumble the ball like that in that situation. That's just unacceptable. Yeah, I got nothing to add there. (laughs) But... I guess on the the counter to that would be Logan Diggs has been really, really strong so far in his time. Um, Here's one prediction I'm going to make before we get into the score predictions. I think Chris Tyree is finally going to break one. He's due. Yeah. He, uh, he did break one against Syracuse in 2020. if I recall. Yeah. 98 yards too. And he hasn't had a real like game changing play like that in a while. Um, Notre Dame was running in between the tackles a little bit uh, in the last couple of games. Don't, really understand that. But um, Notre Dame also hasn't run a ton of 21 personnel with two running backs a lot lately. Now, maybe that's partially due to the fact that SMA hasn't been able to hold the ball. But I think they will have to do it this weekend because they're just going to have to get a little bit creative because like Syracuse defense uh, is pretty good. One way that they could attack them, this isn't really a way to attack, but it's just uh, pointing out that Syracuse on third down has not been as effective. They're 53rd in the country. Granted, Notre Dame hasn't been super great. Converting on third downs, I think, what, Pine was one of nine throwing the ball on third downs last week? Uh, One of nine or one of ten, yeah. One of something. That's terrible. (laughs) That's so bad. All right, I already gave a prediction, so you want to give us a score prediction?
0: Yeah, I'm going to say 35-24 Notre Dame. I'm uh, Sticking with what I said earlier in the week, I think Notre Dame largely dominates this one. They they have more talent than Syracuse, and, and I think that that finally shows. Like we talked about, the season has not been predictable at all, but to date, Notre Dame has played better away from home, and, and having watched the Virginia-Syracuse game and the Purdue-Syracuse game, I just have to believe Notre Dame comes out on top in upstate New York Saturday. That's That's pretty much what I'm going with. That Purdue game was pretty nuts. It was like what three lead changes in the last minute? Right, and we've seen Purdue. Purdue just got waxed by Wisconsin, so um.
1: they're not they're not that great either. All right, I'm going to go with twenty to seventeen Notre Dame win. Uh, I think this is the makings of a really ugly game because it's two relatively good defenses, uh, two offenses that are pretty much built on running the ball. It might honestly come down to just who makes the least amount of mistakes. And and it might be a field position game, which Notre Dame might have the advantage there with John Sott. And uh, I just I don't have confidence that Pine is going to turn it around in this game. I think that Notre Dame will be able to move the ball. I don't think that's going to be the issue. Are they going to be able to punch it in? I guess that remains to be seen. Someone's going to have to make some plays. I already said it over and over. One wide receiver is going to have to make uh, some plays for Notre Dame to win this one. But if you're Notre Dame here, this is a good matchup in the sense that What you're best at on offense, running the ball, is what Syracuse's defense is is not nearly as good at. So hopefully they ground and pound. Hopefully SMA can hold on to the ball. Uh, But I actually think Notre Dame's going to pull this one out in the Carrier Dome. Or wait, it's not the Carrier Dome. What's it called? JMA Wireless. It's the Carrier Dome. That's a stupid name. Uh, All these big
0: corporate needs to just piss off.
1: (laughs) What would it take for you to think that Notre Dame could be Clemson. Is there a score? Or is there a final result in this one where you're like, Notre Dame's going to be Clemson now? No, I don't think anything that happens in this impacts that
0: that game just because, well, also they have not played well at home at all. So like, it's like, that could be a little bit different. It, no, just this game has no bearing on that. Okay.
1: All right. Well, if Notre Dame- Other England's than played, that, it and... gives
0: them a little bit more of wiggle room to take
1: another loss if they win it. <laughs> That's fair. All right, well, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sunset Irish, and subscribe on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back on Monday of next week with our recap of the action on Saturday. But until then, enjoy the game, and we will talk to you again soon.